Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Paris, uh, proud new boat owner. <laughs> proud new boat owner. We haven't talked about this, have we, on the podcast? Boats? We, didn't we? we talked, did we talk about it before the podcast? Maybe. It might have been in the private. Everybody wants to hear it. Let's go. Come on. That's right. About the boat. My in-laws got me a boat. So I just like to introduce myself that way. It is a three-person canoe with some kayak-style tendencies. Uh, but it's always nice to introduce yourself as a boat owner. Yeah. About joining a, a yacht club. That sounds pretty exciting, be a member of a yacht club. I've been to a yacht club exactly one time when the LSTC alumni board had a fancy dinner at the yacht. No, they didn't. Yes, what? they did. Mm-hmm. On Lake Michigan? On Lake Michigan, down. I mean, it was lovely. It was, it was down, you know, right north of the museum campus in between Navy Pier and the museum campus. Uh, you could see the skyline, right? It's lovely. Yeah, it's, it sounds it lovely. Evidently a board member, like a proper board member, not an alumni board member, uh, is a member of the yacht club so they do lstc at least used to 10 years ago whenever i was doing this did a lot of events at the yacht club and like at one point we were supposed to go on a boat ride like a cruise uh yeah lake cruise but that didn't happen for some reason didn't happen man no i still have never really been out on the lake i did a river thing one time yeah but i haven't been out oh I don't know if I've been out. I know I did the Chicago River Cruise. I wonder if it went, the one I went on went out there or not. Maybe not. There's a ferry that goes across, but I it seems too choppy for me. I don't, I don't like those choppy waters. I got no stomach for that. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, Matt, now that I'm, I've got my own boat, you know, we could just, <laughs> just meet there. I'll bring my boat and Great. Uh, we'll take it out on the... Great. Sounds on yacht clubs or fancy boaters. Good. Be your own boatman. <laughs> well, why don't you take your boat, take it right on over to the Mississippi River, take it south. <laughs> I'm sure it's close. I know my geography of the eastern United States, and uh, you know, head on south to New Orleans. Uh, you know, there next week. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm eager to hear about your trip, but I do want to say at this point, I was surprised. Even as a, a person uh, born and spent their childhood in North Carolina, that the river that is less than half a mile from my house that I can put my boat in would take me to New Orleans. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like a tributary. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the like Eastern Continental Divide is at like the eastern edge of the the mountains in North Carolina. So we're I'm on the west side of the wow. divide, and I'd never yeah. like it. I just assumed like. I mean, I, I've seen the signs forever, right? Where the divide is. And I never just put it together. I always just assumed like, oh, if you're in the yeah. mountains or North Carolina, I'm sure they they go east, right? Like in yeah. the Tennessee mountains, let's go west. But no, right. it turns out the French Broad will feed into the Tennessee River, which I believe feeds into the Ohio, which will take you to the Mississippi and take you right on down there. I mean, it's entirely plausible. There, there are probably some dams, but not a lot. I wouldn't think like big dams. Uh, I might have to do a little bit of portaging, but like, yeah, I'm next to a navigable river with my boat uh, that I can get well, there. When the, 
when the apocalypse comes and knocks out all the electrical systems, all the other forms of transportation, all you got is your boat and these rivers. You can do it. That's right. I recall, Matt, I believe you're headed uh, to New Orleans for the extravaganza, which uh-huh. and it's called the, the E. It definitely should be called the X. Um, as a vicar, as an intern, Messiah Lutheran mm-hmm. Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, I accompanied the youth group on a trip to the youth gathering, the OCA youth gathering. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, in New Orleans. Yeah. Here. Uh, ELCA Youth Gatherings, again, at least back in those days, huge events, uh, 20,000, 30,000 youth, pretty wild. And uh, Twitter had just come out. Right? <laughs> so it was 08, right? And my supervisor and I both really enjoyed the Twitter. And we're like, you know, people are figuring out all the things you can do with Twitter and stuff, right? And there was this thing that was happening where... Uh, they had like a Twitter roll for the first time. So if you tagged your tweet with the ELCA tag, it would show up on the website, right? Like, so you just go and like, there's a little Twitter feed of like everybody tweeting about the youth gathering. And they were all things like, as we were driving in, I was looking at it on my very elementary uh, smartphone and people were like, we're pulling into new Orleans. We're like crossing the Mississippi and our church van on our way to the thing. And, myself being who I am, I uh, I started to do lots of tweets with the tag uh, and making up extravagant uh, forms of transportation that groups were <laughs> were arriving to New Orleans on, right? Like the youth groups all together here on the airboat as we <laughs> blast through Mobile on our way down the intercoastal waterway to the youth gathering. Uh, we're making our way down the Missouri River to the Mississippi in our restored 12th century Viking ship. <laughs> <laughs> and they all they all ended up on the elca.org that was, that was <laughs> at least for a moment oh yeah the early days of twitter what a moment everything was anything was possible anything was possible <laughs> the kevin garnett oh, yeah the kevin garnett you know, what's going to be happening here in new orleans this is this is we've got this might be another episode of uh, Rick Steve's travel blog <laughs> on the Vinyl Preacher uh, that travels to tie into the text. What are you headed? Uh, Rick Steve's. To, uh, Rick Steve's, by the way, just posted today. He's He's got an extra day of travel and he's looking for some. Uh, this is how much I follow Rick Steve's on Facebook. Pretty, he's looking for some travel advice. He's on a, a U.S. tour and uh, some event got canceled. And he wanted folks to vote on whether he should spend a day. He's got this extra day. Should he spend that day in Abilene, Texas, or Charlotte, North Carolina? Oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> do you, do you have any advice for him? Votes. Yeah, obviously. I don't know. It looks like just comments on Facebook. Maybe. You got to try to hang out with LaMelo Ball. You explore the gateway to Gastonia. <sighs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Rick Steves. Fun fact is his uh, romantic partner, long time now, mm-hmm. multi-year romantic partner, former guest on the podcast. Really? Bishop uh, Shelley. I forgot Brian that. Wee, wow. Yeah. The guest on the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was, right? Oh, like the first okay. week of the pandemic, we got her on. Yeah. She's yeah. a former campus pastor at Eastern Washington University. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. And there she's a Seattle guy. <sighs> We're one step removed. We're going to make our bucket list of guests. So close to getting rid see, of <laughs> See if we can do it. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, uh, I'm getting... <laughs> Figuring out my Rick Steves approach to New Orleans. I was completely unprepared. Uh, and then my, my uncle earlier this week said, he, I'm, I'm going to, he lives down there. I'm going to see him uh, hang out for a day. And he said, well, what do you want to, what do you want to do when you're here? Do you have, do you have plans? I was like, I've done absolutely zero research. I had no plans yet, but since I'm an Enneagram four with a strong, strong five wing, I immediately went to the Libby app and looked for everything New Orleans to download uh, I just finished a uh, 12-hour book about uh, Marie Laveau because <laughs> he mentioned mm. the name and I was like, yeah. who's that? Googled it. Wow. Some fascinating religious syncretism. It's just a deep dive. Amazing stuff. Uh, also just, I mean, I know I know New Orleans is a thing, but then the more I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, there's a reason this is a thing. This is like actually a pretty fascinating uh, little gumbo pot of a place. So I'm I don't know. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, just experiencing it as I go, I guess. Yeah. Is this your first time to, uh, is it my first time in New Orleans? No, no. Uh, we used to go, uh, fairly often cause my, my uncle's lived there my whole life or he's lived in Brobridge, which is, you know, you take two the hours train away. city of New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then once, once no, no, this is the, the Mad Cato life story is, uh, my parents worked for the airlines, so we would we would fly places like that. So we would not the not the airboat, not the train. No. Take United Air Airlines, uh, Air no, so Air open. Max, Air Max seven thirty seven, whatever it's called. Uh, took the, the, doors the doors that blow off. Yeah. Stayed on all the time, and uh, we go there down there fairly often. Like I I remember, and then uh, as an adult, I went there once in college, and we were there. Chris and I were there about ten years ago because she had a conference. So that's what you do. You got a conference, mm. you tag on, you know, so you spend an extra day. But it's probably been uh, about a decade uh, since I've been there. So yes, I've been there before, but it's been a while. But it's been a while. Noise. So yeah. what is on the short list of of things you're going to do? <laughs> is there a short, or is it still the long list? Uh. It's still the long list. Ooh, one thing that came up on, uh, I, I discovered this on the ELCA Youth Ministry Network. Somebody had posted it. Uh, so this is this is the season when there are uh, parades uh, for, right. I guess, carnival parades. They're not quite Mardi Gras yet. I, I don't know all the distinctions, but there are parades. Mm-hmm. You know all the distinctions. <laughs> I believe it's, is it Hannibal Burris who has the bit about... Uh, <laughs> Does he? Yeah, you can just like go to the office like you can have your own parade in new orleans you, you, there's a form for you to fill out and you can hire a band and like you just fill out this form with the city and you can have a parade like any day that sounds fantastic oh well um the parade that they advertised was uh from the intergalactic crew that's k-r-e-w-e mm-hmm. of chewbacca's so this Ooh. is a parade uh, for nerds <laughs> who are into Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, all the related ilk. There's an amazing, uh, somebody did a painting of Chewbacca dressed as Bacchus, <laughs> the god of wine. 
uh, and and partying and all that good stuff. So I'm going to go check that out because it's the weekend that we're going to be there. It's like that Saturday. So I'm like, all right, that seems up my alley. Let me go check that out. Should be good. Uh, and maybe I'll find a running route. I gotta, I'm, I've been, I've been pretty consistent on my running the last couple months. So hopefully mm. I won't break that streak. So like, maybe I'll look for some good routes. Sometimes that's a good way to see yeah. a city, you know? So I don't know. You, you've been there. Any, any advice? I've run along the river. I remember yeah. that. that was, that was doable. A nice thing yeah. to do. do in New yeah. Orleans, yeah. I'm not, I don't have like real New Orleans experience, just the regular tourist stuff of, uh, Cafe du Monde's nice. I got yeah. the mug. It's a good mug. Yeah. Beignets are, are, are great. They're great. They're great. He's fine. They're really into, uh, you know, the chicory mm-hmm. stuff. It's kind of like, uh, shout out to listener, regular listener and live texter to us about the podcast. Uh, Adam Burt, who uh, oftentimes sends us, I think he did it again this year, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the coffee from New Mexico with the pinion. Yeah. Pinion nut in it, right? It's a similar mm-hmm. kind of thing that with the chicory. Yeah. That they serve at Cafe Dumont. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna check that out. Um, some year I should send you guys coffee with. Uh, we there's a special coffee from LA. It's got smog in it. You just, it's just it's right in there. You just it's like smoke. It like yeah, it. it's a little smoky flavor. I Matt have just returned from a work trip to a uh, port city. Yeah, well, which I think is going to be the connection to get us into these texts because you, you're headed to New Orleans. Uh, gateway new orleans you know huge in american history we should get dr dr christina on the i guess apparently it was like the third largest city at some point it was like new york philadelphia and new orleans which is just wild to me pre-trains pre-cars obviously right and planes the mississippi was was i mean is the reason for uh the united states to become an empire and to become a world superpower because of the economic might that like, because of what it does is it, it provides a transportation route, right. To get it, no matter how big you are, talk to Russia about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And how fertile your inner lands are. If you can't get those, those products to market mm-hmm. and, uh, the Mississippi direct access to the world from, you know, Iowa. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, Plus, if you're a young boy trying to escape your life in Missouri, just hop on mm-hmm. a raft on the Mississippi. And uh, it's also useful in that way, you know. Hey, we all, that is the, the heart of the American dream is to to be the owner of a boat. Samuel Clemens. Uh... <laughs> I was in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I've never been to Charleston. Port What's Charleston City, like? Colonial Port City. Well, it was, I was there for less than 24 hours. Uh, and it was dark, but went out, had a great meal, had some seafood, some grilled oysters, some scrimp. Uh, very good. Had meetings and stuff. It was very uh, port city. You could see it on the interstate, like the container trucks everywhere. Um, but uh, made my way down there. Uh, so, yeah. First nice. time. Nice. Yeah. Same yeah. time. I'll probably get back. Good, good. Well, I believe we have some cities and some places uh, in these texts today for the third Sunday after Epiphany of Epiphany. I like the the lectionary makers. You know, sometimes we criticize them. That sometimes we're like, what are these? What are these? Probably guys, mostly guys, thinking. But here we are, late January, and I don't know if this is if you experience this, Matt, but like my social calendar is usually not very busy. 
to be honest, right? Um, but everybody like freaks out about how busy things are before Christmas because you have to have all these Christmas parties and stuff. Uh, and if you're not super on top of planning things, people are like, well, we can't do it. I can't do it before Christmas. It's just, everybody's busy. And my office Christmas party uh, got scheduled at the last minute and then didn't happen because the brewery we were going to meet at is closed that day. It turns out. Oh, no. Realize it until about an hour ahead of time. And so then everybody's like, don't worry. We'll do something in J- January. Matt, we're getting into middle to late January. Nobody <laughs> does anything in January because everybody's all partied out and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, like let's say well, some of us were like, let's have a happy hour, Zoom happy hour, and we'll get together. And then we're like, oh, I got, I got busy. I'm going to date. Like, we'll do something in January. Sure. We're not going to do anything in January. <laughs> it's too it's too much, okay? Everybody has had too much of everything. Let's just do what we got to do and keep it going. Mm-hmm. Lecture makers this week are like, you know what? They don't need more than 10 total verses. Uh, for the Old Testament and the Gospel, and the 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 New Testament that we're not going to talk about, Paul, it's really short too. So, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. As the Koch brothers campaign says, the lectionary makers get us. Isn't that what it says? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, we begin today with Jonah, our old friend Jonah, who doesn't love a good Jonah story. This is, uh, Jonah's one of those books you can read the whole thing in a sitting, but um, we're just getting a couple verses from chapter three. So this is Jonah three, one to five, comma, verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on a sackcloth. When, <clears throat> when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. So we miss all the stuff that we remember about Jonah from Sunday school where God tells him to do something and he runs away and then he gets swallowed by a whale. We, we miss all that stuff. This is just like the end. There is the no story. Uh, fish vomit in this. No fish vomit. Story. No, it's already happened. Uh, although you could have a little reference, Jonah with fish vomit still, still <laughs> dripping. Previously vomited out of the belly. Previously. Of but this is just Jonah doing the surprising thing. This is actually, uh, this is like the part of the story that, you know, if you didn't think it was fantastical enough uh, that there's a fish that swallows him and then spits him out and he's fine. The fact that Nineveh pretty immediately is like, oh yeah, okay. Well, oh, that's an excellent point. This entire city is just, yeah, excellent point. Just changes their ways and uh, and everything is fixed. Like this is, it's, yeah, yeah. Matt. The center of life here in uh, the city of Asheville, North Carolina, is Pack Square. Uh, and it made some news because there was a Confederate monument that got torn down and stuff. Uh, but it still remains a place where weird stuff happens. And my family and I, we have a tradition. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we we go eat, we eat Indian food on Christmas Eve. Because, uh, you know, I've lived the professional pastor life. And uh, you're working on Christmas Eve away from family. We're not going to cook for ourselves. What restaurants are open? 
Indian, Tibetan food in Boulder, always open, right? And so this was a new year, new place. We had to find a new Indian place. And so we went to church, um, looked around. First place closed. That was a bit of a bummer. Second place, though, we found was delicious, an Indian street food place uh, next to their fancier venture, venture on Biltmore Avenue, downtown Asheville. Check it out. Um, but as we're pulling in, uh, again, Christmas Eve, it's probably about seven o'clock. And uh, I hear singing, very loud singing. Uh, and as I, we pull through the square, there are three uh, older white women, not like super old, like middle-aged white women who are uh, uh, singing really loudly, amplified. They've got the PA system set up, uh, dancing around with giant flags, Matt, that say Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Like color guard style flags that just say Jesus on them really big while they are singing their hearts out to a backing track for some like Christian contemporary music. Um, so well, they weren't like Christmas caroling. They were, they were just they were not Christmas caroling. Yeah. This was, no. this was a thing and they were way into it. And as we're driving by, I'm just like, cause that's been a, a, a part of the transition for me. Right going from Boulder to Asheville, uh, a lot of connectedness, not uh, things that are familiar, but gosh, Christianity is so much more everywhere here uh, than it was in Boulder. And, and I was just like, what, why, 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 why are you doing that? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, like who's going to yeah. drive by tonight and be like, Oh Jesus, I hadn't considered that until I saw these three heavily sequined women with their flags it said Jesus on it, right? Yeah. And yeah, that seems to be effective strategy for uh, for Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does seem to be an effective strategy for Jonah. <sighs> Gosh. Yeah, I um I mean much less extravagant, but uh I've seen a number of Jehovah's Witnesses out lately, just on the streets, they're always very well dressed you know, dressed up, mm-hmm. uh, see him come in. And I just, I, I, I sort of wondering a similar thing though. Like, I wonder like what the return rate is. I almost wanted to wait for them to knock on my door to ask them the question, like really <laughs> politely. Like I was genuinely curious, like what's the return rate of like, you're knocking on doors. Like do, are people converting at the door? Like, is it a, is that 50%? Is this like 10%? Is this, does it never happen? Uh, and then I kind of just wondered like, well, maybe it doesn't really there. This is just like the, this is this is the call as they understand it and they're gonna carry it out like regardless of the statistic <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah the other fantastic element here we always get to do a shout out uh with jonathan ralph klein uh hebrew bible professor uh for both of us at the at the seminary in chicago do you do you remember his take on this part of it Mm-mm. i remember him making like a big point of like so if you started early in the morning at the bottom of the Lakeshore Trail and you walked all day, you'd get to Evanston by the end of the day. You'd make it all the way to the other side of the city. And he was like, there were only like a million people in the world at this time, <laughs> humans. And according to Jonah, this city was three times as big. <laughs> The city of Chicago. <laughs> so it's this like 
like it's a it gets lost on us right that like actually like because we don't walk across cities you know right? yeah like, it's an it's a cartoonishly large uh metropolis yeah yeah no everything about this story is is cartoonish <laughs> but there's it's like truth embedded in these uh in this cartoonish story i mean just another example of just uh the extraordinary diversity and vibrancy of biblical genres, which we don't talk about enough. I might set it up, Matt, because it's ridiculous and unbelievable what the people of Nineveh do. Right. And I might start, here's what you do. Okay. You build that up, right. You start to build like, this is insane. Like why they, like they just, all of a sudden, this one guy walks through a city three times the city of Chicago, just yelling things out. And the whole city, everyone, it says, from the great to the small, the babies, uh, they're putting on sackcloth here. Uh, can you believe that they changed so quick? Like, what a great change it is. Uh, but you set it up where the payoff is that you're talking about God changing God's mind. It's the big change, right? Like you do it obliquely so that everybody thinks you're like talking about the Ninevites, but then you boom. Yeah. With uh, yeah. The part where, like, then God changed God's His mind about this, because yeah. uh, it's like it's a subtle like slide in there, right? But a critical piece, I think, to understanding uh, the fullness of the the Hebrew witness to, to what God is like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a it's not an if then uh, that Jonah proclaims. No. He says, "This is what's going to happen." And so the people are like last ditch effort. Like all these things are like. Doesn't seem like there's going to be a high rate of success for Jonah or for the people, really, given what Jonah says. No. Uh, but they make the effort, and then and then this other extraordinary thing happens that God changes God's mind. So it's all these like just very unlikely uh, things. The story isn't like the the mission that Jonah is given isn't the con the context is not God saying to Jonah, "Gosh, I'd really like to save these Ninevites, um, and I need you to help me." The story is these Ninevites suck and I'm going to kill all of them. And it's your job to tell them I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. God's like, God's apparently contractually obligated to tell you that. Just like I have to send out a, a notice about a congregational meeting 10 days in advance. Mm -hmm. God is going to smite your city. God needs to send somebody with advance At notice. At the very least, I'm going to let you know. It's, oh gosh, we're not going to get into it. <laughs> Telling people to leave. Um <laughs> Yeah, not a, unless you repent is not in here, right? It's uh, this is going down. Yeah, just a heads up. Yeah. Well, what's in our gospel text? Just as short, Matt, but uh, no verses sliced and diced out of it. Uh, we're early on in the gospel of Mark in the first chapter after John was arrested, things are happening pretty quickly though. That's verse 14. Jesus is onto the scene. I believe John the Baptist has affirmed, acclaimed who he is. And then he gets arrested and had to get his head cut off. Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe in the good news. Here's that's, 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 that's not what you hear Jonah say. Just to lift that up, there's a difference in the text, okay? Repent and believe in the good news. Yeah. Now, what Jesus says, Jonah says, yeah. God has come near, uh, and it's bad. It's going to be very bad, period. And that's it. I'm moving on. i got a long way to walk today. 
him for the next two days. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew, uh, sons of thunder, I believe, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James. There we go. Actually, here are the sons of thunder. He saw James, yep. and, uh, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Zebedee, of course, is uh, means thunder. Uh, so James and John, the sons of thunder, uh, who were in their boats mending the nets. Gosh, I can just so connect with the story in ways that I haven't before. Because as a boat owner, I've been there. I've been sitting in my boat mending my nets. They've been more like metaphorical nets, like in figurative uh-huh. ones. But... Right. It speaks to me, you know. Sure. Uh, the same way, if I, all of a sudden I bought a sheep, I think I'd get a lot more of the Bible. Uh, these boat stories really speak to me. Immediately, Gospel Mark, uh, Jesus called to them, and they left their father Thunder in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I mean, if my kid got called out of my boat like that and left me high and dry. Find this. Mm. Uh, that's the good news of Jesus, man. Praise you, O Christ! Wow. One Sorry about boat translation owners. note that I have with the NRSV and the NRSVU is follow me and I will make you fish for people. It's an attempt to uh, get rid of some unnecessary gendering, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I'll make you fishers of men. I think it's the, the, like the, maybe it's King James. I don't know. Uh, The issue I have with this translation is that, that in the Greek, it is a noun. I will make you, uh, fishers of people, right? And this gets translated as a verb, right? I will make you fish for people. And so I do think there's something important here about identity and who they are. Their their identity is not transformed. They remain uh, fishers, right? But now they are fishers of humans, of people, um, which I think is a different, it's not about what you're doing, it's about who you are, uh, is the distinction between the two. And that's note i'm gonna lift up yeah 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 jesus does some uh some creative creative theological preaching work and there jesus, using that. who they are already yeah. isn't for jesus to work with and for the yep. kingdom to be a part of this thing yeah 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 jesus um much more it's got a much more uh targeted creative approach than uh jonah's Preaching style, which is just it's a little more individual. Put on blast, and Jesus is like, "Let me see how I can speak to these people." Jesus is using DMs. <laughs> he's sliding into their he's, DMs. He's sliding into the DMs. Joan is just—he's an egg on oh, wow. Twitter, just yeah. taking out the zero followers. <laughs> sure, hoping that such such different situations, both with dramatic, uh, still. Still, uh, unequ- dis, dis, what's the word I'm looking for? Disproportionate responses, um, right? Like, because it's not like Jesus is making a really compelling case either here, right? It's a little yeah. more individual. Uh, but he said, eh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of humans. And they're like, well, let's leave this life behind. Yeah. And it, it wasn't a great life uh, being a fisher, a fisher man. Uh, mostly men would do it because it was so dangerous and considered um, um, deviant behavior because uh, fishers worked at night 
And uh, as we talked about last week, man, not good stuff happened at night. So the people who lived out in the darkness and worked out in the darkness were not good people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to look at this through the lens of Jonah and think about it as a similarly, a, a story of similar um, unlikely things happening. The fact that they would just, it doesn't, if I was, if this was a, if this was, if I was Mark's editor, I'd be like, you need to connect the dots a little bit more. Like why, why did they do this? Why did they just immediately leave their nets? Even if it's not a great situation, you know, they might want something better for their life. It just feels like you're moving a little bit quick, maybe a few transitional sentences, give us some backstory, you know, into these people. Maybe like in, what was in going chapter on? Eight, like we do a flashback and we learn a lot more about that. <laughs> right. That doesn't happen. Just spoiler. Yeah, yeah. It's not gonna happen. yeah. If this was peak TV and this was like, Oh, this just happened. Episode five, then episode six, we're getting the flashback. We're learning why they immediately left. We don't really get any of that. We just, uh, it's just because this thing, this unlikely thing that happens. Um, so, uh, I mean, both of these stories seem like a rebuke to a phrase like, well, that'll never happen. I mean, it's just, here's, yeah. here's these two stories of these unlikely things happening. They're also like the worst, which is interesting. <laughs> There's the disciples in Mark are weird because the in Mark, uh, the disciples as a group uh, throughout the gospels are always interesting and they're, they function a little differently in each of the gospels. But in Mark, they're like pretty... They're the most one dimensional and they never get it. Like they are the dumbest bunch of guys in Mark. Like I think it's in Mark. I'm pretty almost certain it's in Mark where Jesus does the thing with like the, the child where, where they're, where, well, Jesus starts with like, this is for everyone. This is egalitarian. Everyone belongs. Some like Sermon on the Mount kind of thing. And then immediately like the next story is, a child tried to approach Jesus and they, the disciples were like, absolutely not. Get that <laughs> guilty child away from Jesus. Uh -huh. Then Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let bring the child to me. And they're like, oh, got it. And then the next story is them like, except for the Ammonites, let's kick the shit out of those guys. Uh, they like get it wrong immediately. Like they just like, yeah. Sitcom, like, you, WB, uh, UPN sitcom level uh, dumb neighbor. Uh, stuff. Uh, so their origin story, a little interesting. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have anything like fleshed out there, but yeah, they're kind yeah. of mentioned when they're like uh, coming to follow as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, gosh. Yeah. One dimensional and like, just, um, I mean, again, with that, like Jonah connection of this, this sort of like, I mean, you just, you just get these cartoons, you get these sketches. This isn't like fully fleshed out historical journalism. This isn't, this isn't the LA times, uh, really giving you, that's a bad example. The LA times is not great. New York times, uh, I don't know, somebody who's doing good journalism. I'm going to put him on blast. I'm going to put him on blast. The Asheville citizen times is pretty citizen times is a, it is a part of the USA Today newspaper network. It is not good. Well, what we get, uh, I mean, I don't often think of the Gospels as a kind of farce, but if Jonah has a kind of farce element to it, I mean, maybe just use that as a lens to look at this story and just be like, look at, look at this sort of like really, really unlikely thing uh, that happens and what, what truth then is embedded within that. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I think too about uh, here's my my sermon, not really a sermon illustration, my illustration ministry illustration of the week. Uh, so I talked about going to New Orleans, uh, and I also have to get a. We're going next week, and then we're supposed to go this summer for the youth gathering. Uh, except uh, the last time we went to a youth gathering, I had worked with a group of youth for like two, three years prior. Like we'd been, we'd been doing the work. We'd been getting ready. They'd been going to stuff in advance. We had our whole group registered by November. This time I was on sabbatical for all the summer and fall. <laughs> we're coming out of COVID. Like we're, we're kind of in, you know, the people that are there are amazing, but uh, numbers wise, we're kind of in tatters, right? So I'm like, all right, I got, Six weeks until late registration. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how? who can I get? So uh, this week, this week, I'm on the phone. I'm just getting on the phone. I'm calling people. And it's always extraordinary to me how sometimes these things are like, like whether the thing happens or doesn't happen is just feels so uh, random. Like one person, like I talked to her on the way out of church and it was like, this thing wasn't going to happen. And I was like, oh, it might happen. Oh, it might happen. Yeah. No, actually, this is going to happen. Like some somehow the thing that goes from like nothing is happening to, oh, we have a group mm-hmm. and we're going is so random and unlikely. And so um, so I really relate to that part of the text, too, where it's like sometimes the work that you have to do is just to, uh, you know, you just start casting the net. You just start making the invitations and uh, maybe the thing happens and maybe it doesn't. But in both of these scenarios. They just got to get out there and do their thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes it comes through. So uh, when we're sitting in our office going, yeah, it's never going to happen. Well, then obviously it's never going to happen. But uh, both of these are examples where it's probably not going to happen, but they're going to give it a shot anyway. And then the thing happens and a a group comes together or um, people repent uh, or something happens that we didn't think was going to happen. So, um yeah, that's my ministry illustration of the week. Thank you for coming to my podcast. Working with college students, Matt, we were always really hesitant to, to like come on. We didn't want to come on too strong mm-hmm. ever with like new people, right? Uh, because that's not our vibe. Like that's other, <laughs> if you're looking for a group to come on strong to you, good news. Yeah. Uh, 30, 35 groups on campus are here to do that. Uh, yeah. Sort of like that is not our vibe. It's not like the normal people like who engage with us aren't looking for that either. And yet a thing that, that I learned to be much more conscious of was how many people were a lot of the people like floating around the edge of things were waiting for waiting to be invited in a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that's, that's the thing I think of here, right? Where like you've got the disciples and it seems kind of crazy. They just, stand up and leave. Uh, but perhaps a way to look at it is to say they're doing these like really crappy jobs that are dishonorable, that you know what life looks like and it's going to not be awesome. Um, and somebody comes along and says, Hey, are you interested in like trying to do something else with life? Uh, like it's not that crazy. Like they're yeah. like, you know, they're, you can read into it that they're sitting there waiting for somebody to come say this. Right. And they're yeah. jumping that chance. Yep. Uh, similarly, right. Uh, I would always, it was always surprising when, you know, some student who you don't feel, I didn't feel like was super necessarily like super invested in what we were doing or whatever. Like you ask him to do something to like take on some response, like, and all of a sudden, like 
there every week, like and yeah. make, because they were waiting for, oh, I didn't know you needed, like, I've been waiting for somebody to ask me to like be a part of this. Yeah. 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 Well, what are we listening to? Matt, I've been waiting to be a part of this playlist uh, for 40 minutes and 24 seconds now, and I'm glad to do it. Uh, I've got some uh, some fishy city stuff here, Matt. Alex G., your friend, my friend, we saw Alex. Alex G. Did you see Alex? I saw Alex G. Uh, in the uh, yeah in the technically troubled tent. At Coachella, I forget the name of it, but it, they had technical issues a lot. Um, but Alex G has a song called Whale. There aren't a lot of songs about whales. There should be no. more if, uh, if any bands are listening here. Write some songs about whales. It's a, it's a, it's a, a unmet need in the current uh, yeah. songwriting world. Uh, so uh, Whale by Alex G for Jonah. And then uh, I'm going to go with Cat Power's cover of uh is it the twilights i think originally recorded sea of love uh which fits with uh the boats in the water here and oh, with the cities, i'm gonna go with the classic uh you know this always makes you think about city of chicago and none of us three times bigger than the city of chicago and no better song gets to the heart of the city of chicago than commons the corner uh with uh is it the dead poets the last poets um yeah so i don't know but it is it is a classic. That is uh, the sound of our our early time in Hyde Park. I feel like that's just oh my gosh, right? <laughs> that song. Oh man, wow, nostalgia, nostalgia bomb right there, Zach. Wow. Well, uh, speaking speaking of hip hop, still uh, riding high from uh, Lenny Duncan's Psalms of My People. Throw another track from that that book on here. Uh, one mic by Nas. Uh, all I need is one mic. And apparently that's all Jonah needs. It's all Jesus needs. Me, uh, I, we should get him on the podcast so I can ask him. Is he an East Coast kind of guy? Is he an East Coast kind of guy? Yeah. Um, but he had a couple of uh, a Tupac and a Kendrick reference. He had, he had a couple. He had a couple. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. He got around. He had an Outcast reference too. So and it, it's kind okay. of so yes, right. Yeah. I know. I wanted to ask him that too. Whenever, whenever I hear Nas, like immediately, like, oh, they're – East Coast. Pretty East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, and then, uh, yeah, as I get ready to go to New Orleans, I've been listening to a lot of a lot of music, a lot of playlists. So uh, I'm going to throw on, I don't know what the connection to the text, but it's what I'm listening to as I'm going to that that great city. Get up and go to N- New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> Little, Liza, Little Liza Jane, uh, a version by the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Uh, just a great little, I love those folk songs, uh, especially when they're all jazzed up like that. Really good stuff. And then finally, uh, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, they leave their father. Uh, and so, uh, one of the great, one of the great father movies and father soundtracks from Elizabeth town. There's a song on there called, uh, my father's gun. And it is by noted, uh, it, it's about, it's about, um, it actually has a reference to New Orleans in it. That's about this man, like, burying his father uh, in New Orleans. He's going to take up the cause. And um, and it's by noted American Southerner Elton John. So, um, mm. you know, my father's gun. I'm Leave just it, there. sir. I just <laughs> Sir Elton John. Uh, He's 
he was knighted uh, by this. It's kind of amazing. I was looking at the lyrics. I was like, oh, yeah, you don't want to be a southern wrote knight. this song. Uh, but it's a beautiful song, as anything by Elton John is. It is a beautiful song. Highly recommend it. Um, put it on there in honor of the sons of Zebedee leaving their father behind. I like it, man. Well, it's been real. Laissez les bon temps rouler. Is that, is that how it goes? Laissez les bon temps rouler, yeah. There we go. It's been real. Laissez les bon temps rouler. <laughs> The premier French podcast.